It's time for another Pinball Profile. I'm your host, Jeff Teolis. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com, all your subscriptions, past episodes, and more. Please join our Facebook group. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Pinball Profile. And you can email us, pinballprofile at gmail.com. You have no idea how badly I wish I was in this wonderful country right now. We head to New Zealand and we talk to our good friends, Danielle and David Peck. Hello, Danny. Hello, David. Hello, Jeff. I am so uh, jelly, as the kids like to say, uh, about what's going on there. I don't know if you know this, but there's this thing going on in the rest of the world. It's called a pandemic. There's this kind of COVID virus that's been happening. You haven't probably heard about it in New Zealand, but it, oh, it's kind no. of... Oh, no. Yeah, yeah it, not at all. <laughs> me- messing things up here, and uh, I-, I know it really just doesn't exist in New Zealand. What's life like? Magical. I mean, I uh, I personally work at the hospital. I volunteer there twice a week in two different um, wards there. And it's really funny. You just sort of don't hear about it. It's sort of like, um, it's just not really a concern. It's not like they particularly worry unless there's a massive community outbreak. No, it's been really, really very different life. I guess it's sort of... Um, sort of quite normal compared to what I think it's like overseas you know we don't we're not always stressing about you know oh have we caught it have we done whatever to get it but um yeah we're sort of just living life getting by day by day I guess just, yeah just doing our thing David how many times have you heard over the past years uh, you're out in New Zealand you're out in the middle of nowhere and now you're looking back going yep yep you're right and we love it but it was, yeah, it was always at the back of my mind. I mean, living at the bottom of the world is, um, it definitely have, it has its disadvantages. Like, uh, whenever I need to go and visit Josh Sharp at the World Champs or something, we have to travel 15, 16 hours to get there. But, um, I always knew that if, when there was a nuclear war, we're the place to be because down, down here at the bottom of the world, um, we're pretty safe and sound. So we just, uh, yeah, live down here and do our thing and leave all you guys to it. <laughs> but things are, quote unquote normal in New Zealand and have been for quite some time. In fact, I think you were telling me, Dave, that you and Danny were playing pinball as early as May. That's kind of when things opened up last year. That's right. Yeah, we had the year uh, when COVID first came out, uh, what, February, March, I guess, last year. We went into a whole nationwide one-month lockdown, which was a strict lockdown. And uh, we, I always laugh with my American friends about their lockdowns, but uh, our one was a real lockdown where the only thing that was open was like the supermarket and the petrol station, that was uh, the gas station, that was it. Everything else was closed. So everyone had basically a month vacation, stayed at home. You're only allowed to walk around the block for a bit of exercise. And then that was good. Yeah, got rid of all the uh, all the COVID that was in the country, all disappeared. And, um, yeah, a month later, we could go back to what we were doing. So we started pinball tournaments. I think the 20th of May was our first one. And we had, I think, about 35, 40 people showed up. And, yeah, we're just back to our normal schedule of having pinball tournaments every three or four weeks like we have done for the last nearly 10 years now. Danny, I know you're at school currently. You're in your final year of university. By the way, Danny's 19. That's how brilliant you are. And you said you're volunteering at the hospital. But what happened in that lockdown? Was school closed and was it just short-lived like your dad said? Um, yeah, pretty much. I think um, my university did an interesting thing. So during because uh, we have a, like, four-tier alert level COVID system. Uh, during alert levels four and three, which are the highest tiers, university goes fully online. So probably, yeah, maybe half a year, the equivalent of half a year, we were fully online. You know, we hang out and it's like, yeah, nothing's ever really happened. In a way, and there are not many positive things at all about the pandemic, but you were busy with university and school, so you weren't able to travel a lot. So the fact that the IFPA and competitive pinball has shut down for the last year plus, 
that kind of worked well with your schedule. So you're not really missing much, are you, Danny? That is true. It actually has given me a good chance to sort of just sit down and focus on my studies, which has been um, sort of a nice change. It's been interesting seeing how really COVID and the pandemic has really changed my perceptions and priorities in life. I'm like, okay, no, for now, we're not doing any traveling. We're just going to hunker down here and get really comfortable with the uni and get through it because I'm planning to go on to postgraduate studies. Where are you going to be doing your postgraduate? So I plan to stay at the same university that I'm at right now, which is the University of Auckland. It's like New Zealand's sort of biggest university. And I'm currently studying psychology and statistics. So I actually don't know what I want to go on to do, whether I go on to do postgrad statistics or psychology. Either way, I'm very excited to continue on doing things that I love. I remember that time when university or college, when that came to an end and you thought, oh, I've got to get a job. Oh, and, and I've had jobs before. I need a career. Is that settling in? Do you know kind of at least career-wise what you want? Maybe not so much postgraduate, but where you want to go next? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are so many options with really the subjects that I've done, but I'd really love to either go fully clinical psychology and sort of work in the DHB, like like the hospital system and work with the people who I've, you know, met throughout my time volunteering there or go into data analysis with statistics if, you know, clinical didn't work out. Or, you know, maybe both. Why not a bit of both, you know? Life is very long these days and I can probably get away with doing a bit of both. You know know how it is. Yeah, life's very long. Very, very long. Until you're me and Jeff's age, then life is very short. No, I tell you what, I tell you what, when I fell off my scooter the other week, I, I got a little e-scooter once I fell off my scooter the other week, I was like, that's it, man, that, that, this is, i got to do what I love, don't I? Oh, i got to, oh, okay, no, I'm not going to start talking about that, that's a lot too long story, I'll keep talking, okay, <laughs> continue on. <laughs> but you're okay from the little wipeout, I hope. Oh, yes, yes, no, we're all right, it just, it took a little minute, I saw my um, pinball career flash in front of my eyes, but we're okay now. <laughs> When I had my kids, when I started my family, I kind of stopped doing the the risky things. And I'm not saying riding a scooter is risky, but I'm just saying, you know, I I wasn't going to be doing things that might put myself in jeopardy. And uh, I don't know, call me a chicken, whatever. Uh, Dave, for you, it's a little different. I know you were into the racing for quite some time, and uh, but that's kind of come to a stop now, hasn't it? Yeah, well, you get to a certain age, Jeff, where uh, you figure out that your motor racing costs so much money, you can just buy more pinball machines instead. So also I was doing the uh, the big Targa race around New Zealand, which is a famous uh, race where you race, race around all the country roads in your, uh, in your fast cars. And we went off the road and my co-driver said uh, it was where the car stopped right on the side of a 100-meter fall. And we just walked away from it, no big deal. But my co-driver looked at me and went, we could have been killed then. And I said, yeah, we could have been. What do you reckon? And he never got back in a car again (laughs) after that. But um, I kept on going for a few more years. But uh, then the novelty of working 24 hours a day, fixing up racing cars and lying lying on old concrete floors and taking your gearboxes out, the novelty ran ran out of that. So um, now I just stick with uh, fixing pinball machines instead and doing up old houses. That's what I've been doing for the last year. I've seen some of your posts on Facebook. It's very impressive. And I have firsthand experience too. It was years ago. I was having trouble with my Flight 2000, and you reached out to me. I'm seeing this. Oh, there's Roto Dave, and what's what's he got? And you helped me with the fix. And some were easy, some were a little more complicated. Um, but that's what I love about the pinball community is is the willingness to help others. And you know, kind of, we're all in this fraternity, sorority together. We're all in one big family, and there to help other people out so that the community grows. 
And with your collection, you must be fixing machines all the time. To be honest with you, when you've got 100 pinball machines, it is a full-time job. And I'm lucky enough to be sort of, I call myself semi-retired, but I've worked 300. Last year, I worked 360 out of 365 days restoring this old house that we were talking about. So um, I'm just uh, lucky that I just don't have to work a nine-to-five job. But uh, all the time that I'm not working on the house, I'm fixing pinball machines for people to come around and play when we have our big events because all the big events in New Zealand are held in my house. So, yeah, we need to keep them all going. And lucky enough, I've been doing pinball now for 30 years. So I've picked up most of the um, the skills along the way and I can fix nine out of 10 things I can fix myself. Uh, every now and again, I need to get uh, someone to do a logic repair on a board or something, which is a bit beyond my uh, pay grade, but everything else I can do, no worries. And yeah, I love to help people out because everyone's got to start somewhere. So uh, most problems, when you know what the problem is, they're actually really easy to fix. It's just knowing what the problem is so you can fix it. So uh, yeah, when I see someone um, with a problem online, I don't mind uh, giving them reaching out. And on Pinside, I'm always helping people, giving them the tip on how to do little easy repairs because um, you know, if you're going to pay someone $80 to come around and fix up your pinball machine every time it breaks, you're going to be a very poor man. <laughs> you talked about having some of the events at your home. I have to tell you, the one that you did last year, and it was in March, I was so in awe. I was like, I've got to get to New Zealand. I just left Australia. I could have stayed another month, headed over to the PEX for the Fishtails Symphony. For those that don't know, please explain what this wonderful tournament was. Right. Well, that's the brainchild of another guy here in New Zealand, Simon Haxton, who's played in the World Champs. In fact, he came to Canada last time, uh, so you might have run into Simon. Uh, that was his idea, and it was all part of the big pincade thing that we have every March. This year, it was just before the pandemic. So what Simon, it's always been Simon's dream. We got 10 fishtails from, most of them were from the Wellington area. I loaned him some fishtails parts to make up the big display one that he had with the big fish coming through, which you would have seen in the photos. And then uh, it was sort of like a speed challenge on all the machines. So you'd get 10 people standing up to the machines at a time uh, you had some goals Simon would call out what the goal was so some of the goals were start multi ball uh, start feeding frenzy what else did you have monster fish yeah some of those things so you had to had to do those in a certain time and whoever was the first guy to get it held hold up your hand and you got 10 points and the second person got nine points and eight points and so on so yeah that went really really well I think we had from memory 40 people in it and I ended up winning that and then our guest from Sweden Johan came second I think from memory it's going back a long time, Jeff, you know, we're getting old. <laughs> but no, it's a great event. And the next one he wants to do, he wants to do a getaway one because down in Wellington, just about everyone's got a getaway pinball. So we're probably going to do a getaway one next time we're down in Wellington next year. So maybe you can come down for that one. Oh, fingers crossed. That would be so nice. But Danny, what are the tournaments you've been able to sneak in between the odd school here and there over the last year? Oh, pretty much just any of the monthly tournaments we do. We haven't really had any big ones, obviously, since uh, COVID and then the pin cave COVID really hit, so I mean that's really it. I, I mean I can't hop over the ditch to go to like any sort of Brisbane Masters type thing because we've still got travel restrictions here. Where if basically if you leave the country and you come back, you have to stay in an, like an isolation hotel for two weeks, and I just I can't afford that with my school working. But the monthly is always fun. I get to play with my best friends, aka my parents, and my other best friend Mitchell, and um, it's all fun and games, and it's always good. The last time I saw you both was at Indisc in 2020 in January. And Danny, a former Indisc women's champion, it was nice to see the banner there from 2018 and some great work and commentary and always a lot of fun playing. And Dave, um, we met in a classics tournament. I think I didn't do very well. And watching you, in fact, really beat the hell out of me. You rolled something. What was it? 
Uh, I can't remember. Some uh, Wizard, I think. Wizard or Captain Fantastic. Yeah, I like the older games now. To be honest, a lot of the new games, because I haven't got um, new pinballs now just getting so expensive that I'm not buying them anymore. And the um, So some of those, the more modern games, uh, I don't even know the rules of. Like, I still haven't played an Avengers, haven't played a Guns N' Roses, haven't played a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We just don't have them here, so I never get to play them. So last time I went to Indisc, I just, just concentrated on the classics. I know all those games, and uh, I've made the classics final every year unfortunately um, by the time I've, I've got a sort of metal condition where I get a little bit tired at the end of the day so every time the finals roll around I usually bomb out in the first round so um, I qualify strongly and then run out of puffs so that's the way it is but I've gotten the finals every the last three or four years we've been there so that's been good times but um, never progressed too high there but uh, yeah, and just- but you smoked me, and you could go back to New Zealand with that, and I know that was exciting for you. And uh, kudos to your excellent play. I had a picture of that, Jeff, and I blew it up and stuck it on my wall. <laughs> and um, it's something that inspires me every day. I get up in the morning and have to go and do another hard day's grind. But I look at that picture of defeated Teolus, and um, <laughs> you know, I feel a lot better about myself. My self esteem boosted greatly, and I go out there to slay the day. You know? Yeah. It's, it's been a great thing, Jeff. Thank you for doing that. I don't mean to burst your bubble, but there are a lot of those photo opportunities of where people have smoked me in pinball competitions. So you're not alone there, Dave, but uh, kudos no. to you for what you did at Indisc. And the Museum of Pinball looks like it's going to be moving. I mean, the current banning facility is awesome facility. So old um, Mr. Weeks must um, really want to expand it if he wants to double the size of that. I mean, it's crazy big as it is now. So goodness me, if it's going to be twice the size, that's, um, that's something to look forward to. The new Papa-like tournament, it, it was like that for January 2020 when we went to Indisc. So it certainly had that feel with all the different variety of games, machines available, the free play area. Boy, that could be a week-long event, and you still wouldn't be able to do everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that, I think that's that's the way that um, I mean, you've organized tournaments before, Jeff, and you, the logistics of moving machines and that around like um, Pinburg used to do, it's just a, such a huge undertaking. You really need a big facility like I've got at my house here with my 100 machines, and I can handle the most I've ever had here is 120 people, which for New Zealand's pretty big. But somewhere like uh, Indisc, where they've got the machines there, and if the uh, local guys there can get all those machines up to um, competition standard, I know usually at Indisc, Carl and Jim bring in a lot of their machines, and Jay, um, rather than using the museum's machines. But in time, uh, that'll get up to be like a papa-type facility. And then, yeah, definitely run a 10-day tournament like they do at the Brisbane Masters It's um, and the big one that they run in Germany. I think that's the way of the future, have those big tournaments and have all the machines in permanent locations. It's, uh, I think that's the way we're going to be going. I think so, too. You talk about your large collection. Everyone knows you have every System 11 game, and the collection grows. You mentioned you like the older games, and costs certainly have gone up in pinball, whether it's the bill of materials for the parts themselves. You add to your collection. I've never found out from you. Have you ever sold any of your machines? I mean, you have all the System 11s. You can't break up that collection. But for people who have smaller collections... There's a lot of rotation of games just for the variety aspect. What's it like for you? Well, my place is a little bit of a pinball graveyard. They do tend to come here and die. But um, we uh, no, certainly machines come and go. Uh, I sold during the pandemic. I sold 15 machines just to clear out some room. I really wanted to change the orientation of the, uh, of the main room I have here so I can make it a little bit more people-friendly so I can handle the big crowds. So I cleared out a little bit of dead wood. And uh, your yeah, 15 machines sold over a four- or five-week period. Uh, really made a big difference. Yeah, I, I had 135. I think I'm down to 119 now, which is still it's like insane. But um, you've got to remember a lot of most of those machines I bought 
10, 20 years ago when I think the average price I was paying for a pinball back then was a thousand bucks, you know, a thousand New Zealand dollars, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I've certainly done quite well financially out of the collection. Should I ever turn around and sell it? Okay, so games do come in and out, and I've seen some pictures of uh, some of the newer games, like certainly Rick and Morty, and I know you're big fans of Spooky. I know Danny and I are both kind of sad that the Spooky podcast came to an end a few months ago. Uh, that was something that's very important to you, wasn't it? Yeah, I said, well, how do I explain? The Spooky podcast was like, I just feel like the Spooky podcast allowed me to sort of um, expand my horizons and allow me to connect with so many lovers of pinball, which is like really cool. And I mean, the Spooky people are just so lovely and it was great to be able to like form a nice connection with those guys because they really are so lovely. It was just fun. It was fun to be able to sort of get to share knowledge of games or even have to research games and it. I think it actually gave me a deeper knowledge of the games I was talking about. So, yeah, I suppose it's a whole lot of that. Yeah, we just talked to Charlie Emery on Final Round that I do with Martin Robbins on the Pinball Network. And I don't know anybody anywhere that doesn't root for Spooky Pinball and the Emery family and for their success because we certainly like their business model. We like what they've done to their community. And God bless them for everything they're doing. Yeah, no, definitely. I've met Charlie and all the family and they're all just... They're actually very, very reminiscent of, of us here in New Zealand. That that part of the country up there, too, is very similar to New Zealand. All of, They've got a great community up there, northern Illinois, Wisconsin area. I went up there when I drove around America in a hearse, what, 2014 that was, and met all those guys like Jay and um, Hilton, all that whole, yeah, Scott, Denise, and, and Terry at Pinball Life. They're all really, really good, genuine guys. They have real great pinball competitions up there, play a lot of dollar games. Just got such a great community, and, and Charlie's part of that. They all just get on so well, and uh, yeah, good on Charlie and Ben. You know, sort of starting off making the game in their little uh, in their little incubation room, and uh, yeah, it's just gone. That's the way to start a business. You start no different from how I started my furniture business. We started it small and then grew up where we had three or four shops. You know, so. Yeah, start small, baby steps, and away you go. He's done it exactly the right way. So, And uh, we can see other examples of people who have done it the wrong way, and we've all seen how they ended up. But uh, Charlie's done it the right way, and so good on him. Well, don't sell yourself short because you're a bit of a pinball innovator yourself because you decided to retheme a game, and boy, it just took off. When you made a Led Zeppelin pinball machine, Stern went, oh, you know what? That's a great idea. We saw what David and the Peck family's done. We're going to make Led Zeppelin too, so that's all because of you. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm pretty sure they had it in the pipeline before I hacked into it. But uh, yeah, I sort of just, um, I had that belly freedom lying around and uh, the whole thing started because I, I'd always wanted to retheme a machine. We were originally going to make a um, Death Note, an anime machine, a slightly more modern machine, but I had that freedom lying around and, and it was a bit crappy. So I thought, well, let's do something with that. And it was a 1976 machine. That's my favorite era of EM machines. Those are uh, 74, 75, 76 bellies like Captain Fantastic and Wizard and Old Chicago, Bone an arrow that sort of era so what are we going to do so I was, what's a good theme that was big in 76 so you've got um you know got some movies around the like clockwork orange was one i'd, I'd considered a lot of because that's uh, one of my favorite movies but uh, led zeppelin was the obvious one to go for because you know they were the biggest band in the world in the mid 70s they were a big influence on me when i picked up the guitar back when i was 12 13 years old so uh, yeah let's hack into it so we rethemed it i mentioned it on the head to head podcast a couple of years ago 
uh, Brad Albright from Texas was nice enough to drop me a line straight after he heard it on the uh, podcast. And uh, what a great contact that was. I gave him direction as to which direction I wanted to go and then just let him go with it. He came back with a couple of ideas and we tweaked them a little bit here and there to, to bring it into the era of the machine because the whole idea of it wasn't to make a Led Zeppelin pinball. It was to make a 1976 Valley Led Zeppelin pinball. So we wanted to match the Captain Fantastics and the Wizards that came out at that time. So um, the highlight of the whole project was um, when the New Zealand Stern distributor said, uh, when Stern did announce Led Zeppelin, he posted up on Facebook, oh, finally, we have a brand new Led Zeppelin pinball machine that rivals the old one that came out in the 70s and it had a picture of my pinball machine underneath. So even the New Zealand Stern distributor thought it was an old one. So that was pretty cool. That is hilarious. I didn't realize that's so good. Yeah, that's wow. a, he, he sucked right in. But that was the whole idea was I don't like things that if you've got an EM machine, you don't want to put Back to the Future on it because Back to the Future came out 10 years after EMs, you know, or you don't want to put an anime theme on an EM. But to me, that's not right. So you want to do something time specific or era specific. So that's why Led Zeppelin was there. Another one you could do would be Black Sabbath. Some, some of those bands that were around, if you want to go music for that uh, sort of thing, like they did with the Beatles machine and try and theme it. A little bit like an EM uh, with the EM scoring that um, that they have on the on the back glass. That I think that's the way to go. Make it sort of era specific like that. And um, yeah, if I can suck people into thinking it really is a belly, it actually says belly on the back glass. When uh, Brad first did the art, artwork, he wrote peck on the back in belly writing, but I made him take it off and put belly back on. <laughs> that's so cool, Danny. Since the last time I saw you, what are the games that you've been playing the most? I know you're excellent at every era of machine, but what are the ones you find yourself going back to? So I definitely think Rick and Morty's been one of the games that I've played the most lately, just because the code's awesome and the theme integration's just like so so good, and the games are too like really challenging and really fun. Um, aside from that, I still play Alice Cooper Heaps because I just love Alice Cooper in general. I'm still waiting for my Judas Priest pinball machine. Thank you very much. Um, You're a Priest fan? I had no idea. Oh, yeah. Judas Priest is my favorite. Rob Halford. Okay. No, I'm going to tell the story. Nancy, he's got me going. <laughs> uh, just, it was um, in 2019, I went to see Judas Priest live. Dad took me to see Judas Priest live. And it was like, I, oh, goodness, no, I can't. I'm fangirling. Rob Halford walked out on stage and I started crying. Like, it was like seeing Middle Jesus. And I say it every time, but it's true. I love Judas Priest. My favorite album would probably be, hmm, oh, my God, am I completely nerding out? British like Steel. Much? <laughs> uh, British Steel's junk, mate. Can I keep going? Yes, keep going, Dan. Keep going, okay. Dan. <laughs> Screaming for Vengeance is my favorite album, but I must say that Desert Plains is one of the best songs ever, and no one can fight me on that. It's great. I love it. Rob Halford is my life, and that's all. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. British Steel's garbage. Okay. What was the one that she said was her favorite? A screaming for Vengeance. Slightly heavier, Jeff. We're slightly heavier than you, buddy. Would you, you stick with your Led Zeppelin, buddy? <laughs> I've seen Priest live twice. Hold on a second here. That's more than me. <laughs> Let me just tell you, they were the headliner. Motorhead opened, mm -hmm. and in between was Heaven and Hell with Dio. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I saw that they came here. Don't tell Danny this, and I'm glad her headphones aren't working. Judas Priest was in third. Like Motorhead blew everyone away. Dio was on fire. By the time you got to Judas, you're like, oh. Mm. Well, after you've seen, I, I think for me, uh, for me, Dio is uh, is heavy metal Jesus. He's just oh, for sure. And followed probably by David Coverdale, but uh, that's another thing. You love Coverdale? Can I tell you the Coverdale Page album is spectacular? Yes. Yeah, I didn't get into that so much. It sort of sounded a little bit like a Zeppelin ripoff. Obviously, it would <laughs> yeah. do. 
But early White Snake and and Deep Purple Burn and Stormbringer, oh, oh money. just and even come taste the band with Tommy Bolin. Mm-hmm. You should check out my record collection one day. Listen, <laughs> I, I I will for sure. Sorry, we're going off track here, but uh, <laughs> okay. So you mentioned a few bands. It looks like you'd like to see Judas Priest, maybe Black Sabbath. Some of these bands come out as maybe the next pinball theme machine. Are we still going to be doing more of the older? rock bands do you think or do you think eventually we'll get into maybe some hip-hop maybe some pop music where do you think we're going to go next with music pins uh well definitely none of those because unfortunately the people who buy pinballs who splash out 10 grand for an alley they're all old guys so uh, old guys ain't going to be buying any hip-hop or miley cyrus so that's just going you're going to see more and more you may be a black sabbath something like that i mean personally i never buy a pinball on theme anyway so even if they made a um under oath pin tomorrow or a um testament machine i'm not going to be buying it anyway unless it's the best pinball machine same with iron maiden i'm like a huge iron maiden fan back in the, when i was a teenager but it had to be a good pinball machine so i waited to see make sure it's a good pinball machine then i picked up a second hand one down the track so but yeah, i think that's what you're going to see more of the same because they're, they're, the, they're the pinballs that people buy you know so school's wrapping up for you this year and everything's fine in new zealand What's the next big pinball event in your country? Oh, that's a good question. I think that later this year we are planning to have the Southern Hemisphere Pinball Competition, which is normally a good 100 people. Normally uh, some Australians will fly over and it looks like we're sort of opening our borders to them. So hopefully by the time sort of September, October rolls around, sort of whenever we end up scheduling it, depending on COVID, some Australians can come over and we can have a big weekend long tournament filled with pinball. It's sort of a it's sort of our little IFPA pinball like world champs rip off, but just for, you know, the Southern Hemisphere. Because not everyone in New Zealand wants to spend way too much money to fly over to America or Europe to compete in that style of tournament. I think that's a pretty good explanation of what that sort of is as a tournament. What time of year do you normally run that? I know things are obviously a little shaken up with the pandemic but when do you typically like to have that tournament well normally our, our biggest tournaments in new zealand uh, every every march usually at the beginning of march we have our big pincade which is the one where we have that this year we had the fishtail symphony also the world system 11 championships that i run at my place and the uh, pincade classics so the last couple of years we've had around 100 people in each of those and then in october we have the southern hemisphere pinball championship which we started up a few years ago which is our sort of version of the european pinball championships or maybe the american pinball championships and i run it in a pinberg style because as danny says not everyone in new zealand wants to spend you know three or four or five thousand dollars to travel to pinberg and of course i can't go to pinberg anymore so um, we basically ripped off pinberg and um we call it pukeberg because it's in pukekohe and the shirt to most americans it looks like pukeberg it does because- look like pukeberg <laughs> <laughs> because uh, because they don't know Maori, so um, the <laughs> so yeah, it's actually Pukeberg, but it looks like Pukeberg. So I get lots of um, email requests wanting Pukeberg shirts, which is quite amusing. But uh, yeah, last year we had when we did it actually because last year we, yeah we run it at a at a different time this year, but normally it's every October. So our big ones are in March and October, and then we have the Brisbane Masters, which is in round about July. So that's in Queensland, which is only a three hour plane flight away for us. So um, last year we went over there and good Kiwi. I think about 10 Kiwis went over for that. Uh, I got fifth. Another guy got seventh. And I think Simon got tenth. So we had a good um, a good turnout at Brisbane last year as well. So those are the big three tournaments down under. So nice. And hopefully we can get there soon and there can be some international travel. But uh, eh, we'll get there. It's just, it's just not right now. But uh, I love what you guys are doing. All the best to you, Danny, with school. 
Dave, with all your machines and your renovations, I appreciate you coming on the program today. No worries, Jeff. Always good to talk to you, and we'll see you again next year. Yes, thank you so much for having us, Jeff. This has been your Pinball Profile. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com. Check us out on Facebook. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Pinball Profile. And you can email us, pinballprofile at gmail.com. I'm Jeff Teolis.